Welcome to the Amazing People Podcast, where ordinary people from all walks of life do amazing things in life and business, with your host, Chip Dizard. How are you doing? I'm Chip Dizard, and welcome to the Amazing People Podcast. And today I am joined by, in my estimation, an amazing person. Uh, he's from Nashville, Tennessee. His name is Jeff Goins. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks for having me, Chip. Good to be here. Hey, I just wanted to, every show I start off with, um, people giving a little bit about their background and how, um, I, I'll tell you how I found you by just, um, of course, through um, a mutual uh, follower, Michael Hyatt, and then uh, I started reading your blogs and I started subscribing. But give me a little bit more about your background, where you're from, and, and how you got started writing. Sure. Well, um, so I was, I am originally from the Chicago suburbs. I was born and raised in Northern Illinois. And then I went to college in central Illinois where I met the woman who became my wife. Uh, so I eventually chased her down to Tennessee. She wanted to work in the music business and, uh, you know, we live in Nashville and that's kind of a big deal here. Um, but before that happened, I graduated from college and I had, um, a desire to travel. I had spent a semester in Spain. I was a Spanish major. And uh, so I spent a year traveling with a band. I traveled all over the U.S., went to Taiwan, um, you know, spent some time in Canada. And, um, you know, that just kind of continued to stoke the fire. And so I moved to Nashville uh, really kind of on a whim. I slept on a friend's couch for about seven months, didn't really have much to my name. And I started working with a nonprofit organization where I've um, been working for the past six years. It's based out of Georgia. It's called Adventures and Missions. And I started as a writer there. They asked me to train um, their missionaries. It's a, it's an international mission organization. Train their staff and uh, mission participants how to blog and how to tell their stories online. And so I had, I didn't really know how to do that. I had like a Zanga blog at the time, um, but I, you know, didn't. I had to learn as I was teaching, and so uh, I did that for a little while, and that eventually turned into a marketing position, and now I'm the communications director there. Um, so all that to say, you know, I've been a writer my whole life. I've even trained other people in how to be writers and bloggers. I was a writing tutor in college, um, and one of my biggest struggles is actually believing uh, that I am a writer. And mm. so, um, you know, anybody who follows my blog, um, which, uh, which is goinswriter.com, uh, knows that this has been a big part of my story in the past year and a half, is just kind of making the audacious claim to call myself a writer um, was really scary and uh, at the same time a really cool thing because after I did that, I mean, my writing, I started getting serious about my writing because when you start calling yourself something. You know, if you call yourself a carpenter, people start asking you to build houses for themselves. You better believe that you better figure out how to build a house. So that was kind of what happened to me is, you know, I started calling myself a writer and uh, I started having to act like it, you know, because there was this expectation on me. So shortly after that, you know, I got a book deal and uh, a year after that, you know, here we are. So we want to get right into the book and I, I want to just say that I enjoyed the book thoroughly. It's called Erect. And I want to just talk about just the genesis. How did the, the book uh, just even come about? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's that's part of uh, it's part of my story that I just shared. Um, I was telling amazing stories of amazing people uh, going and doing incredible things. You know, like uh, selling all their possessions and moving to Africa 
to serve the poor or um, love on orphans. And I was, you know, telling stories of people planting churches and building houses in Mexico and uh, friends who had, um, you know, decided to uh, move to China and, you know, learn how to adapt to a whole new culture. And so here I am, you know, in middle Tennessee with my laptop on my lap, sitting on the couch, telling all of these stories, and there's this dissonance for me. Here I am, you know, in a very comfortable setting, telling these amazing stories about how people are making themselves uncomfortable and, and doing incredible things. And I just kind of, there was this dissonance between the, t- the story I was telling and the story I was uh, living. And so Wrecked is an exploration of, of those stories of people who um, go and do amazing things and have their worldviews changed, have their uh, paradigms turned upside down. Uh, but then it's also about the other side where you go on a mission trip um, you uh, spend, you know, a, a season overseas or in the inner city. I mean, you're exposed to uncomfortable situations, a lot of times uh, poverty or pain or suffering, uh, and then you have to come back to normalcy. And and so Wrecked is kind of an exploration of my own story of living in that tension between knowing I was made to do incredible things, but at the same time realizing that there are slower seasons of life where I'm called to commit to, you know, the things that, that I'm supposed to commit to. And, and so I think we all kind of live in that tension of wanting to have an incredible story and at the same time um, understanding that we have daily commitments. And uh, the main message of Wrecked is the idea that um, what we are called to do, uh, you know, when we're going to go out and live incredible stories is, is not necessarily to live the story that we would write for ourselves, but to live the one that we're called to do. And so mm-hmm. to be wrecked really means to do what's hard for you in a given season. And sometimes that's moving to Africa, and sometimes it's taking out the trash. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I can totally identify, because when I first read the book, I said, okay, is this, you know, the missionary angle? I said, well, I'm not a missionary. Right. But then you talked about it could be anything. So, for instance, for me, I'm now... Um, when I was working um, at a school district, I got laid off, and then I took a teaching job for media in the inner city. And every mm. day, like there's one day in particular, I came home wrecked because yeah. a kid wrote on one of our expensive computers some graffiti, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this yeah. is me. I'm wrecked. So it doesn't have uh-huh. to go overseas. It can happen right here in my neighborhood or in the neighborhood I'm visiting or working at. That's right. Yeah, I mean it's basically the realization that life is not all about you mm-hmm. and that you're most, you are most fulfilled <laughs> When you are most uncomfortable, which you know feels um, you know like uh, like an oxymoron or, or you know like a paradox or something, but um, it's true. I think you know when when we set out to get all of the things that we want in life, ultimately it's not enough. We're not satisfied, and so to be wrecked, I think, is to really live a, a truly fulfilled life. Yes, it's messy. Yes, it might be painful. Uh, but it can also be really beautiful. Yeah. In, in the book, you talk about one of the stories I really like in the book. You talked about a young lady named Michelle. I'm not going to give it away because I want people to, oh, yeah. to get right. the book and, and read that story. But that story really hit mm. me hard because in a way you were helping this young lady, but you were saying, was it, you know, when your time is up, it's time to go. Talk about that when you're helping and how it, and, and compassion. You talked about that in detail in the book. Yeah, well, you know, Michelle was this um, younger uh, single mom. She had two kids and another one on the way. She lived across the street from 
uh, public housing from you know projects, and she lived in this small little um, uh, you know apartment. And um, I met her through this uh, local food distribution uh, charity organization in Nashville, where basically when people were at their you know wits and they were at their very last measure before you know ending up homeless, they would call this ministry. And then they would deliver a box of food. It was a last ditch effort to help people, you know, to save people. Um, and so we delivered, you know, a box of dry goods, spaghetti, um, you know, rice, stuff that could last a while, you know, not great food, but stuff that could, could last you a while. So we met her and it was incredible. Um, mm-hmm. She just thanked us and cried the whole time. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I, I had been doing this, uh, I've been working with this organization, just volunteering on Saturday mornings for a, a number of months. And sometimes you deliver food to people and they had like a flat screen TV yeah. and yeah. and they're just like, oh yeah, just leave it on the counter, whatever, yeah. see you later. And, you know, so you kind of encounter some of that mentality mm-hmm. and, and we didn't, all we experienced with Michelle was this brokenness mm-hmm. and this appreci- appreciation. And so we had all this food and we're like, hey, do you want us to put it in, in the kitchen? And she said, no. No, um, the kids are sleeping. I want them just leave it here. I want them to see this when they wake up. They're going to be so mm-hmm. excited. And so we, I left there and I was wrecked. I I, I couldn't sleep that night because I was thinking about this woman and her family. And so uh, my girlfriend, who became my wife, uh, my girlfriend at the time, you know, we we started hanging out with these people. We started becoming their friends. Baked cookies for them. Took their kids to the zoo. Sometimes just went and watched cartoons. Hung out. Whatever. Uh, we became friends. We got into relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, like, I got to be honest. I mean, I, I do things for mixed motives all the time. And it sometimes feels good to do good, right? It does. It makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, frankly, we can get attached to that feeling. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what started to happen. I started to feel like, um, you know, I was the one who was going to save this woman. You know, mm-hmm. I was going to... I was going to make her life better, and uh, I have lots of friends who have, um, you know, tried to do that same thing, and it doesn't it it doesn't work, you know. Um, and so I was visiting this woman, and I was telling her, you know, um, uh, we're just we're just here to show you God's love, you know, show you compassion, and uh, you know, this isn't this isn't just me doing this. This is God showing you that He cares about you. Mm-hmm. But really, if I'm being honest, part of me was like, yeah, like um, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Uh, I, I was, it was a codependent relationship. I needed to be needed. And so one day we knocked on Michelle's door and she was gone. And that was real hard because I thought, you know, uh, how is she going to be okay without me? Yeah. And And I think Jeff, that's what struck me when you wrote about the whole word codependency. And I, and it says in visiting Michelle and doing other things, I've grown codependent, getting myself worth from what other, from what I did for others in need. And, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And and when I read that, I said, my goodness, how many people are that honest with themselves when they are giving things away? Or when you throw the money in Salvation Army, when I passed a man this morning, you know, with, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll work for food, you know, how much yeah. is it about me or is yeah. it about the other person? You know yep. what I mean? And, yeah. and, and that's an honest, that's, that's a harsh reality a lot of people probably don't face. So, you know, yep. I, I really, really appreciate doing that. Now, I also want to go into, you talk about, um, another story, you know, I'm big on stories and I'm, a, yeah. I'm more of a multimedia video guy. So it's all about the story. And one mm-hmm. of the stories in the book is on page 160. When you talk 
about uh, a messy situation. I don't want to go into detail because it was very uh, graphic, but uh. <laughs> it, it was a messy situation. Yeah. But it, it really told me, and I underlined this portion. You said life is messy, and I'm tired mm. of pretending otherwise. Mm. We all, we at some point, we all face a point in our lives when our shame is laid bare for all to see. If we're lucky, someone comes to our aid and shows us grace. To mm. me, that's so powerful, Jeff. Talk, talk to me about, not the story so, per se, but just about life being messy. Yeah, well, um, life is messy, you know, and uh, I, have, uh, I have a friend who says that, uh, you know, fellow uh, uh, blogger, she says that um, it's, uh, it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. And, you know, so I think of one of my favorite authors is G.K. Chesterton, and he talks about how the world is full of paradox. And he says the most true things in life are imperfect, you know. And so he says, you know, the human body is perfectly symmetrical. You've got, uh, you know, two eyes, two ears. You cut your nose in half. Uh, It's perfectly symmetrical, except Mm -hmm. you only have one heart, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and, And the world is perfectly spherical, except you know, um, that it's kind of squished in the middle towards the equator. So the point is, uh, you know, like we want perfection, right? We think that, you know, we want to get our life completely in order. Uh, But what if that wasn't the key to living a fulfilled life? What if the key to living a fulfilled life was saying, this is messy and I'm going to choose to enter this situation anyway? That story that I tell in in the book, you know, about a a man needing uh, a fresh pair of pants, (laughs) Um, was an uncomfortable, uh, gross situation, and I could have ignored it. And um, and so, I mean, you know, like that's I, – I, I choose to end the book with that story because this never ends. You know, this, this choosing the hard thing, choosing the, to enter the messy situation, and that can be anything. It's whatever you don't want to do. So say you're married and, you, you know, your, your relationship with your spouse is just sort of plateaued. The messy thing to do is probably have that hard conversation that you don't want to have. You know you can keep coasting, uh, maintaining the status quo, uh, but there's a conversation that you need to have that you don't want to have. The mess is all around us, and the reason that it's messy is because uh, life is full of people, and people are not perfect. Um, and so if you're constantly looking for perfection, mm-hmm. you're not going to find it, and you're going to get really frustrated and you're going to frustrate other people but if you're looking for something beautiful you know a deeper purpose for your life it's going to involve people and because you and I are not perfect mm-hmm. um it's going to be messy and you can get frustrated with that or you can say this is actually kind of beautiful mm-hmm. so jeff just in closing wanna um people know how they can get the book how they can get in contact with you on twitter or your blog if you could just tell us ways to get in contact with you and to uh, purchase your book yeah, well, sure, absolutely. Um, well, you know, I'm I'm a new author, and so I I know how this goes. You know, I'm I'm a reader of books, and so when I see somebody, you know, whom I might have heard of or maybe not, and, and people are talking about this book, my first inclination is to wait. I want to hear more about it. I want to read reviews. I'll give it a few weeks. I, n- I never really buy something the first week it comes out, um, but I also know that if you wait to get something, sometimes you don't get it. And so we're doing this. Uh, promotion this week to encourage people to buy the book the first week. The way book publishing works is um, you have a limited window of time to get your book out there, and so we're trying to give this message the best chance it has to succeed. And so anybody who buys the book this week, um, August 1st through the 4th, 2012, um, will, if they scan their receipt or email their Amazon receipt 
uh, to me, they'll get, uh, we'll send them uh, $158 worth of free resources, including uh, some, you know, the audio book, audio version of the book, um, a study guide, a bunch of other things that I've written about the craft of writing. If you're a writer or communicator, it might be uh, worthwhile. And you can find all, you know, about all of that at wreckthebook.com. And then if uh, people want to just connect with me, they can find me at goinswriter.com. That's just my last name, goins, G-O-I-N-S, writer.com. And I'm on Twitter at, at Jeff Goins. Okay, great. So again, I want to just share to our listeners and our viewers that wrecked uh, uh, when a broken world slams into your comfortable life. And Jeff, it's a great a book for by Michael Hyatt. And um, I mm. know that um, I want to say congratulations. I know you have a newborn. I know how it is. Yeah, you wrote a book, a newborn, you hold a full-time job, you do a blogger. My goodness, I thought I was busy. <laughs> My goodness. It's been crazy. Yep. <laughs> well, well, hey, Jeff, I really appreciate your time. And, and I just want to implore the listeners to this week to pick up this book, Wrecked, is on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, any other of your booksellers, and, and wreckthebook.com and goingswriter.com. So thanks for uh, being here, Jeff, and uh, sharing uh, your time with us on our podcast today. My pleasure, Chip. Thanks. <laughs>